To Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose and our series Parables and Object Lessons. Uh, This is program number 29 in that series. And, of course, what we're going to talk about today is uh, another, yet another parable. Uh, actually, it's the same one that we f- we're just kind of following up on the, on the Lord's Vineyard. We talked about that last time, and we're going to bring this down a little more current. We'll probably use a few more parables and object lessons uh, of our own in this uh, as well. You know, we, as, as we go through this, we know that a parable and an object lesson is— uh, a parable is something that takes a physical truth, a physical reality, a physical event, and a, and um, and uh, describes a spiritual truth. And so, uh, this is what Jesus did throughout his ministry to make things clear, uh, and it works quite well. Um, and so, before we get going, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes, loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for. Uh, the opportunity to read your word and to discuss your principles. We pray that you will send your spirit to be with us and to guide us and to be with everyone who's listening. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know what? Let's let's read that uh, that Bible text, uh, the, the parable itself again, so we get caught up where we're at. Okay, and this is um, from Mark 12, and the verses are 1 through 9. Then Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, Once there was a man who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a hole for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to tenants and left home on a trip. When the time came to gather the grapes, he sent a slave to the tenants to receive them from his share, to receive from him his share of the harvest. The tenants grabbed the slave, beat him, and sent him back without a thing. Then the owner sent another slave. The tenants beat him over the head and treated him shamefully. The owner sent yet another slave, and they killed him. And they treated many others the same way, beating some and killing others. The only one left to send was the man's own dear son. Last of all, then, he sent his son to the tenants. I am sure they will respect my son, he said. But those tenants said to one another, This is the owner's son. Come on, let's kill him and his property will be ours. So they grabbed the son and killed him and threw his body out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do, asked Jesus. He will come and kill those tenants and turn the vineyard over to others. Okay, we have this parable, don't we? Yes. Um, Is it historical? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because all through the history, um, the prophets and the messengers were sent to the Israel of old, but instead of being welcomed, they were treated as enemies. Um, the husbandmen, God's, the Israelite leaders, 
persecuted them and he killed and they killed them. God sent still other messengers, but they received the same treatment as as the first, and only the husbandmen showed still more determined hatred. Okay, so then as we read, as a last resort, uh, God sends his son, saying, they will reverence my son for sure, but their resistance had made them vindictive. In other words, they were changed by their resistance, and they said among themselves, this is the heir, come let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. Then we shall all be left to enjoy the vineyard and do as we please with the fruit. Right, because apparently the Jewish leaders really didn't love God, and so they separated themselves away from him. And Jesus came to, um, for, to claim as the claim of the owner of the vineyard, but the husbandmen treated him with contempt, saying, we will not have this man rule over us, because they envied Jesus, and his manner of teaching was way better than, than theirs, and they really dreaded his success. So they envied him. They knew he was better, but they dreaded his his success. They would see, they they knew he was right. They hated his example of truth and love. They hated his picture of God, and he had the true picture of God. That's what he revealed. His whole life was a reprimand to their selfishness. And when the final test came, they rejected the Holy One of Israel. When when they were asked to choose between Christ and Barabbas, remember that they mm-hmm. cried out, "Release unto us Barabbas!" In Luke twenty three. And then Pilate asks, what shall I do then with Jesus? And they cried fiercely, let him be crucified, Matthew 27. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asks? And from the priests and the rulers came the answer, we have no king but Caesar. And that's in John 19. Right. And so what does it mean when they said we have no king but Caesar? What's the spiritual application Okay, because that's, that? that's a big deal. What? Okay, so first, what was Caesar? He was a civil authority, a civil ruler. Is that not right? Right. Right? And so how do civil authorities rule? They they basically have to control the people with punishments for crimes. Right. Is that right? Correct. You commit a crime or whatever. And so, and, and in fact, uh, Caesar ruled pretty much with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. He did what he wanted to the people. Right. Right. And so he was a civil authority and you can't run a spiritual. um, You can't run your life in a spiritual condition the way that we run our civil authorities. Jesus came to clear that up. Remember, he came to say, um, you heard it's an eye for an eye. Well, that's an eye for an eye is how you maintain civil rule. Right. An eye for an eye. But I say if you're going to. If you're going to run your life on a, a good, healthy spiritual condition, and someone wants to slap your face, you, you turn, turn the other cheek, cheek and allow them to slap your other one as well. Right? right. In other words, and you forgive your enemies. Right. You forgive those that persecute. If In other words, somebody, it's not an eye for an eye because this is your spiritual life you're talking about, and it doesn't run like Caesar runs Rome. Right. So if somebody takes your cloak, you offer them your other one. If they ask you to walk a mile, you walk two. Exactly. Which, so it's it's totally opposite of what any worldly authority is. Exactly. God's kingdom doesn't run. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. I run mine differently. Jesus is hanging on the cross, right? And he looks like the loser of the day. And what is he doing? He's forgiving mm-hmm. those people that put him up there. And he's asking John to take care of his mom. Right. You know, and the thief on the cross says, I'm with this guy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But see, he didn't run his spiritual life 
like Caesar ran Rome. Mm-hmm. As soon as somebody did something wrong to Jesus, he wasn't running around saying, well, yeah, you hung me on a cross. That's punishable by this. Mm-hmm. No, he said, I'm going to forgive you. Right. See, and so the spiritual application there, of course, is the Pharisees wanted a ruler like Caesar. Mm-hmm. We have no king but Caesar. Right. That's how I want to run my life. Well, and I'm thinking. But I, I, I think, too, is that. The re- so that's another reason why they rejected Jesus is because they saw him and he was too meek and mild mannered right. in order to to because they were looking for justice. They were have- looking for someone to knock Caesar off his throne. Right. They exactly. were looking for another Caesar. Right. Just a stronger one. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just a bigger, a bigger, a bigger bully. bully. Yeah, right. a bigger bully. Right. And and Jesus came to show that God is not a bully. Sin is the bully. Mm-hmm. Sin is what does the damage. You know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, now let's bring it down 2,000 years to today. The parable of the vineyard applies not alone to the Jewish nation. It has a lesson for us. The church in this generation has been gifted by God with great privileges and blessings, and he expects corresponding returns from us. In other words, do, do we want Caesar or do we want Jesus? Right. And and the way that Jesus manifests his characters and the principle of his kingdom is through his people. That's right. So it's through his vineyard, through his people, that that his ways are to be established. And Satan is constantly seeking to counter that work of God. And he continually baits us to accept his evil principles to override the godly principles. Right, right. He wants us to beg for Caesar, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he... Uh, And I think he gets us to do that through the fear thing. Sure. You know, how many of us, it's, it's not funny because when you come right down to think about it, it's like, you know, when you have grown up and you haven't always had, it's, you know, it's the disease that I have. I will always be $1 short of what I think I need. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never quite have enough. You'll always be a dollar short. Right. A dollar short. And it's, it's fear. That drives that. That drives that. Because when you, when you really take an honest look you know that it takes very little for a person to be sustained in this world and so when you allow fears of financial worry and and things like that to come into your life that's satan coming in and stealing god's principles of 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 truth and trust out of your life and replacing his um attributes of fear Taking your peace and replacing it with fear, and then we react accordingly. Right, fear and and um, that pride comes in to say, "I must take care of myself; therefore, I will take for me, right, and make sure that I have mine at the expense of anything and anybody." And I think a lot of times that will happen in our work lives. You know, a lot of a lot of you know trying to to provide for our families. Sometimes we go over the top when Mm -hmm. it comes to work. You know, we we continue to work and work and work to the place where there is no life outside of work. Right. That's a danger, too. Yeah. Right. And and so we're, you know, you don't have that strong family unit because you're so worried about providing the the quote unquote necessities of life to your family that you're that you miss from providing the one thing that's necessary and it's time. Time. Right. Time. Yeah, exactly right. Um, And of course. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, right? And he doesn't like anybody that lives according to God's principles. Um, and so really the only way that God can answer those accusations of the devil, that God's ways don't work, is through his people. 
Um, and, you know, the devil will say you know, that you, um, that uh, you can't live away according to God's principles or according to God's ways. It's too hard or, or, or this or that. Um, you know, I remember one time I was I was probably 10 years old and I was swimming at the at the pool there where I grew up in the town of Lincoln. And I was I was over in the deep end and I can't remember whether the guy dove in off the diving board, off the bank or whatever. It wasn't really important, but dove in and the back of his head hit me right in the front forehead of my head. And I woke up staring at the bottom of the pool Mm -hmm. i was all the way at the bottom and my instinct told me i needed to get some air right now could god change the law of respiration to meet me in my fallen condition and under 10 feet of water no no i had to get to the air in order to be saved Mm -hmm. you know and see god's not going to change his laws or the way he does things because we're selfish He's going to he's going to change that selfishness in us and restore us back into the harmony with heavenly principles like we're talking about. And then that way there we can live inside of our own skin, inside of our own heads and not be in trying to save ourselves all the time. Be be more worried about esteeming others higher than ourselves, just like Jesus did. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because those are the principles that are that should be obvious in each one of right. our right that's that's how god answers those accusations to the devils the principles that we can carry out right exactly and and those principles should be established in our families and our churches and and everything you know our lives should should be a life of service to god and and it's according to these principles um, and how we live our lives that's those are the symbols of what can be done for the world right right and you know these are the fruits of the vineyard. Mm-hmm. See, good works don't purchase the love of God. They simply reveal that we possess it. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. Good works do not purchase the love of God. They reveal that we possess it. It's Oh, it's like back in the day, the Jewish leaders, they had the, they had the big temple and they looked at that with pride, but they didn't bring God the sacrifice of a humble and a contrite spirit. And so God was getting frustrated with them. They, it's, they didn't possess the love of God. And their works revealed that. It's when these vital principles of the kingdom of God are lost that religious ceremonies, worship services, and all that stuff can become worthless. I mean, think about the older brother in the in the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, I did everything you wanted, but he didn't share the father's love for the son. Mm-hmm. So when the son returned, he wasn't, he, he didn't welcome with with open arms because he was there just doing what he was supposed to do, but not loving his neighbor. Well, and not understanding the purposes of what the father was all about. And what it, father, the father was trying to accomplish for him in his life. And so I think that's where, you know, we all, <clears throat> in our Christian experience, I think that's where we all, um, that where God would like us to get to the place, whereas, you know, sometimes you can do things by rote, but do we truly understand what the love of God is and how it's, you know, how we live it in our life. Is there a, is there a, has it become natural for us or are we still, you know, doing things because that's what, you know. Yeah, that's what he says. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, okay, you, you, you hit your sister now, kiss her and tell you, tell her you love her. Right. Well, it, so, 
is there a purpose why God says forgive your enemies? Right. Is there a reason behind it, or or is it just we do it by road? Right. Or another thing is, you know, when we're out driving on the roads, do we drive on the roads? thinking of other people before us or do we drive on the roads thinking get the heck out of my way because like i have an appointment to keep right you know and it's right. in the, it's in those very small things in life that our character is being built you yeah know? is us are, are we first or is somebody else absolutely first? and it and it and so if you're if you wonder that just have a have a real objective view of yourself as you drive to and from work or to and from the store wherever you may go and analyze your behavior and see is it is it is it a calm my my objectivity is still subjective okay (laughs) right but still i mean i think we can all be and i think that's a good way to practice honesty with ourselves You know, is what, what are my motives? Right. Am I going to let that person? Cu- well, they don't deserve to yeah. cut in front of me or, you okay. know, I'm I have I'm in just a bigger hurry. You know, what's going through your yeah. mind? I, and I think that God wants us to observe our actions and our motives behind our actions and to see what's going on. Now, if your motive is to get your child to the hospital because they, you know, are sick or whatever, then that's another motive. But mm-hmm. if it's just because you've left late mm-hmm. and people are going really slow in front of you, you know, to sit on your horn or to be angry. Isn't it funny when, when, when you're late that the speed limit is real slow? Yes. Huh? That's yes. how that works. It yeah. is. It is. And so when it, so when character building is ignored and when the simplicity of godliness is lost sight, the pride and the love of display can take over. And as a result, God is not honored and and the same the question goes you know how do you, like parents how do you want your children to grow up yeah with a good character or a bad character right god's looking at his he's got a big family right you know he lost one third of his family uh due to the fact that uh the devil wanted to build their characters in a dis- different fashion and so they followed the devil and they went they went the wrong way and so he doesn't want to lose god god is not willing that any should perish here and build the wrong characters Right. So basically, I Jesus is looking to gather that fruit of unselfishness from his vineyard. He looks for the principles of love and goodness. It's the atmosphere of grace which surrounds the soul of the believer, the Holy Spirit working upon the mind and the heart that makes us a new creature and allows God to bless the work. You know, we were going to talk about praise at this point. And, and so do we praise God in words or in deeds or both? And, you know, you can go back to the driving lesson. Are you praising God as you're driving to work in your, oh, in yeah. your actions? Or are you, you know, praising yourself and are people in your way? Yeah, yeah. I, I know I go through life and there's a lot of people in my way. You know, when when I am, it's it's scary, but you know what? I've got this agenda, and and so I think that I think that God is saying, you know, set aside your agenda because I have so much more out there for you. Yeah, He it, has an agenda. Yes, and, and and it's a big agenda. Yeah, you know, and it's it's made up of every every second and every minute of our life. There's always something more to reveal in those tiny little time slots as you go throughout the day with the people that you encounter and the the actions that you can take and the decisions that you make it's the it's the minuteness of our life that yeah yeah we're like the squirrel or the woodpecker we're hiding the acorn and god said i want to give you the whole tree right and we're running around, <laughs> that's right. you know we're we hoarding go, yeah, our little yeah, our, little, our little piece of the world it becomes right. so and if you ever watch a squirrel or a, a woodpecker and they're trying to just 
do whatever it is they do in their little part of the world. I don't know. They're, worrying, they're ruining our fruit trees well, as the woodpeckers are. Yeah. So they're crazy. You know, and and to praise God with a sincere heart is about it. It's it's as much duty as prayer. I mean, <clears throat> does prayer change us or does it change God? It, it changes us. It changes us, see? And uh, helping others, working for fallen humanity, telling them about how good God is, believe it or not, that changes us also. Praising God, all of that changes us. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get to participate in this thing. Right, having an attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. And exactly. I know that, you know, when my mom passed away, it was a very sudden death. And it was, it, I was very depressed. I was had never really been depressed, but I was depressed at that point, a situational depression. And it was through a sermon that I heard about gratefulness that finally helped me after about three months. And I know it's because I had already gone through the process of of letting go. But um, you had that's, to turn that corner, right? And that and the one thing to turn the corner was um, to get back to being grateful. Being for grateful, life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you know, I I liken telling people about Jesus as as kind of something similar to telling them about a good doctor that you have. Now, I happen to have one of the best. I'm not going to. And now she's my doctor. I'm not going to say her name, but I'm going to. I've got one of the best doctors I've ever had, and she's just been right on. So naturally, I'm boasting about this doctor and how good she's taken care of me. And so, you know, Susan, naturally, Susan wanted to be a part of this. And so she's now Susan's doctor's doctor also and and this is what it should be if we're stepping out in faith and jesus is working in our lives he's the great physician and you can't really contain yourself from telling people all the wonderful things he's doing for you in your life right and so when they see the success that you're having in your life they want to know what what, where that joy is coming from right i wasn't just saying my doctor's great my doctor's great my doctor's great i was actually giving specifics to Susan every time, you know, every time I talk about my doctor, I have a specific, my doctor did this and diagnosed this and gave me this. Uh, she did this and, and suggested this and it worked. She did this and, you know, and it, always specifics. And when we give our testimony and we talk about how good, uh, how good God is, we should have specifics, right? We should definitely have specifics. Right. Because the thing is, is what we've learned along the path is that um, the only way to get someone to turn from their harmful ways is to give them something better. Right. And if you've if you've got an experience with God, if you've got an ex- experience, and this is what uh, I believe helps Susan and I work with uh, with addicts and people in addiction is you, you've got an addicted, uh, if you're an addict and they're going to take your medication away, your painkiller, whether it be alcohol, whatever, whatever it be, someone has to give you something better. Mm-hmm. There, there, you, you don't, you're never going to replace it with something worse, you know. And and so, uh, for us to have an experience and share that experience, it changes us and it changes other people. Mm-hmm. I know every time I talk about my doctor, I. I get excited because I think I, I, I've got a laundry. You've seen the results. Yeah, I've got a list of how she came through every time. And so when I'm when I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking. I, I've got a list of mm-hmm. all the times he came through, and it's good for me to talk about that, lest my pride rear its ugly head and say, "Rich, it's time for me to pat myself on the back," because mm-hmm. I'll go there. Mm-hmm. I'll take those talents and those gifts 
that that God has given me and say, boy, Rich, you're not doing too bad. Look at you now, you know, instead of look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a natural human inclination right. to start looking around and thinking you're not doing too bad, right. you know? Right. Uh, but it's a scary place to be because uh, I notice when I do, when I'm doing that and I'm not giving, and I'm not looking at God, I don't treat people well. Mm-hmm. Any bump in the road causes a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not treating my wife well, I have to look at my devotional life and my, what's going on with my relationship with God. Cause it has nothing to do with the specific instance. It has to do with the relationship. I, you know, with, am I distancing, distancing myself from God right now or not? That's then the byproduct of that is a happy marriage is a happy marriage. Folks, we got to go. So remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.